Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast, featuring in-depth conversations with executives, leaders, influencers, and journalists in this dynamic, high-stakes industry. Hosted by Craig Pickett, founder of Northstar Group, the boutique executive search firm for the aerospace industry. You'll learn how top aerospace executives are developing their people, competing for talent, overcoming challenges, and adjusting to industry trends to drive growth and profits. And now, let's join your host, Greg Pickett. Hey, welcome to the uh, the Aerospace Executive Podcast. As always, um, I'm Craig Pickett. Today, I've got uh, Mark Green with me. He's the, uh, the CEO of Performance Dynamics Group. Uh, Mark is a, a business coach, a CEO coach. He helps CEOs of mid-market companies uh, with their business processes. He's also, also an accomplished author. Um, his book is called Activators, A CEO's Guide to Clear Thinking and Getting Things Done. And he's also an expert at helping CEOs escape what he calls is the growth trap. So welcome, Mark. Hey, Craig. Thank you so much for having me today. Tell me about the growth trap. What's the, uh, what's the growth trap? The growth trap is this idea that just when you think it should be getting easier, it gets harder. And the reason is that as any organization scales, we scale typically in a linear fashion. We add, even though you may be adding a lot of customers uh, over time, you're, you're still adding one at a time effectively, or you're expanding to one location at a time, or you're hiring one employee at a time. But what you don't think about is that while the business is scaling in a linear fashion, the complexity inside the business scales exponentially. And that's what comes back to get you. And you start to pop on other people's radar, the, com- the competition. You start to feel more pain from maybe not having the right people on your team. You get into firefighting mode and um, put you in a very reactive place. And all of these things make it feel like you're spending more time operating the business as it grows, when in the back of your mind, you're thinking, wait a minute, I've already achieved some mark of success here. Shouldn't it be getting easier? Shouldn't, shouldn't I be having more time and freedom? Which is why I got into this gig in the first place. And as a result of all of that, you end up neglecting the number one thing that you should never be neglecting, and that is your own growth and development as a leader and the growth and development of your leadership team because you're so busy putting out the fires that you just don't have the time properly to invest. And this is where we get to this law that I've uh, identified and, and developed, and it's this very simple immutable law that I've never seen a business with a sustainable growth rate that exceeds the growth rate of the people running it. Interesting. So, so what you're saying is people don't, they, they spend too much time working in the business versus on the business, fighting fires, too much firefighting, not enough strategic thinking. And you know, what's the best way to, what's the best way to overcome it? Well, the best way to overcome, well, there's, there's not a simple, there's not a simple answer. The, 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 the answer starts with who, it always starts with who, and I'm sure you'll be happy to hear that. You got to make sure you got the right people on your team And then you got to make sure that as a leader, you're outside of your own head enough to be able to do the things you need to do to empower that team, give them the right direction, give them the right um, rules of engagement, 
and then actually set them free to do the things they need to do while you end up as, as a CEO or a leader free to do the things you need to do at a more strategic level to operate the business. And it's this getting out of your head idea that led me to write the book Activators because I felt like there's an awful lot of good process and literature out there around the what you need to do in a business and how to do it, right? So for example, you need to have a strategy. How do you do a strategy? You need to have a good hiring process. How do you do a hiring process? All those kinds of things. But what there's not a lot of out there is this idea of how do I get out of my own way as a leader? How do I change how I think so that I'm able to be optimally productive in executing these things that ostensibly I, I already know that I should be doing. Yeah, I work with a lot of smaller and mid-market companies. A lot of them are CEO founded and inevitably they're the ones that scare me the most. CEO wants to bring on more people. He wants to take some of this work and get it off his hands. And inevitably he goes out and hires a pretty good team of A plus players and then refuses to let go of control. You see that a lot? I see it plenty. And that's part of the work that I do. I, I, it also replicates itself, by the way, further down the organization. So you can take an executive team reporting to a CEO where the CEO isn't very good at letting go. And in turn, those executives hire their teams and they're not good at letting go. And what you end up having is you have this group of maybe six or eight people essentially making all of the decisions and doing all of the heavy lifting work for a company that might employ 50, 100, 250, 300 employees and have, you know, multi tens of millions of dollars in revenue. So, so let me ask you, so let me flip the script a little bit here. If I am a COO candidate being interviewed by one of these CEOs, what are the questions I need to be asking? How do I know? Yeah, look, that's my biggest fear is I go into the company and quote, yeah, are you going to let me do what I need to do to get the job done? So it's a really great question, and it's a very interesting perspective, Craig. One of the things that I've learned, and frankly, full disclosure, I've learned it the hard way because it's kind of sort of the, the way, is that an executive's coachability, their willingness to hear things that make them a little uncomfortable and to consider those things and to then actually work to act and improve on those things um, is a very, very important factor in leadership. And it's tied very closely to a, a leader's um, desire to learn. So it's like coachability and learner are these two attributes that are really, really important. And if I was a COO candidate sitting down with a CEO trying to figure this out and answer this question, I would be looking for evidence that the CEO is a learner and is coachable. And the reason is that if I know those two things, I have pretty good evidence as to those two things, then I know that even if the CEO is not great at letting go, I will have a platform to stand on to be able to, to help that person see it and change. Um, and, and so it's almost a, from a generic point of view, I care more about coachability and learning 
than I do about this um, attribute of can they let go. Interesting. So what, yo, so yeah, that's a hard, that's a very hard question to ask during an interview. Hey, yo, uh, are you coachable? Oh no, I would you, never ask that. You'd never ask it that way, but I would ask a question. I would say, what's the, uh, what's the most impactful business book you've read this year? Right. That's a great question because if a CEO can't answer the question, mm-hmm. my hunch is they're not much of a learner, right? Cause it's already almost the end of May. So they've had five months. They haven't consumed a business book. And if they haven't consumed a business book, I might say, okay, great. What industry conferences have you been to in the last 12 months? And what have you, what, where has your learning been focused? And again, right. right those are, those are legit questions. Um, and then on the coachability side, I would ask, um, hey, have you ever worked with a, with a coach? You ever had any experience working with a coach? Was it good? Was it bad? What did you learn? What worked out? What did you like about it? What did you hate about it? And if you didn't have any experience with a coach, I might also ask a question like, um, when was the last time that someone who worked for you told you something about yourself that made you really uncomfortable? Interesting. Because the answer to that question could potentially then unpack the pathway to finding out whether this person is really receptive to feedback. Right. Interesting. Or quite frankly, the other question is, is you know, if there's a board of directors involved. If oh I yeah. Were, well, if, I were to ask two, if I were to ask to talk to two thirds of the board of directors, what would they say about your leadership? You bet. Style. And your ability to grasp, your, your willingness to grasp new concepts. You bet. And, and you know, quite frankly, it's, it's the one thing that, you know, I tell executives, you know, going into interviews is that ask a lot of questions about the C. I, I, I learned the hard way as well. You know, took a, took a position and the, you know, the, the, the guy who hired me had no idea Nothing. I wanted nothing to do with sales and marketing, you know. But yet he wanted to make all the sales and marketing decisions. And you're like, well, what do you need me here for? Um, I've spoken with multiple people who were hired as COOs, and then you find out, you know, the CEO really doesn't want a COO. Well, why am I here? So, you know, I, I tell executives up front, you know, get these answers out of the way quickly. Yeah, because you'll save yourself a lot of hardship down the road. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, all of those are cases where the CEO is in their own head too much and they're either not being well advised or um, they're, they're not understanding how their mental models are preventing them, very ironically, from getting that which they want most, which is usually the ability to profitably scale their business. So, you know, you talk about, you know, when you, when you see a CEO entering the growth trap, yeah, how does he recognize it or she recognize it? And what, you know, what are the steps to get them, to get them out of it? I, I got to think mounting frustration is a big symptom. It, it is. It's, it's certainly a big symptom. The first step, interestingly, is one of the activators from my book, uh, activator number five that I call Change Your Neighborhood. And it's this idea that who you're surrounded by makes a huge difference in terms of how you're able to learn and accelerate and actually 
how you're able to be challenged by other people. So what I found is a lot of CEOs who are in the growth trap are operating in what I call comfort zone networks. They have networks and they may have peer groups that they're a part of or learning groups or um, things like that. But all the people in those groups are in roughly the same place as they are. And there's nobody who they're regularly interacting with who is in a position of significantly more accomplishment than that CEO. And my rule of thumb is you want to be surrounded by people who really threaten your ego, quite frankly, when you get in the room with them, because you just don't know what the next question is going to be, and they challenge the heck out of you. And so there's this inherent uh, uh, discomfort in being around these people. And that, to me, is one of the first steps uh, in this process of getting out of the growth trap is you've got to change your neighborhood. And for some CEOs, hiring a coach could be the first step because by definition, the right coach is going to be that person who has the ability to make your ego very uncomfortable when you're in the room with them. And they're not doing it out of spite or malice. They're doing it because it's good for you to learn how to, how to handle that so that you can hear the things you need to hear and then begin the process of learning and growing from there. Yeah, there's a great, uh, there's a great uh, article I read, and I can't remember where I found it, but a guy talked about leaning out the window. And he said he would just lean out the window. He'd look out the window. He was a Hollywood guy, and he was you know, kind of a junior director, producer. And he would lean out the window, and when he saw Ron Howard walk by, he would yell out to him, Ron, you and I have never met but I want to know you. And, you know, sometimes the people would, you know, walk on by and ignore them and others would say, let's, let's go get coffee. You know, if you lean out the window and you sort of stretch yourself to meet new people, you never know what success you find. Yeah. And if you never ask, you stay right where you are. And as I look back on my own journey, I see so clearly that every time I ended up having a massive spurt of growth. It was in the shadow of having made the decision to change my neighborhood. Right. And, and I can draw a direct line to that. And I've seen the pattern so much. I mean, that's one of the reasons it made it in the book. And uh, there's, by the way, there's research behind it as well. And I just find myself always looking to change my neighborhood. In fact, it's, it's one of the uh, ways I got uh, Marshall Goldsmith to, uh, to endorse the book. Um, you know, Marshall Goldsmith's one of the premier leadership thinkers and authors and speakers on the planet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had no relationship with him at all. Um, but I knew that I wanted to be in his neighborhood. And so I found a way to connect with him. Um, and long story short, he came to endorse my book. How did you end up meeting? I mean, that's a pretty big, you know, look, he's a, he's a pretty accomplished guy. And this is what you know, a lot of business owners, especially, you know, in my, even, even in my business, you know, you're, you're stretching out and you're trying to, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to go reach the CEO to the stars, you know, Jamie Dimon or whoever. How do you, you know, how does somebody reach out to somebody like that effectively? I mean, yeah. Well, so in my case, in my case, I had a, a friend of mine, a colleague and a friend who uh, had written a book years ago that Marshall had endorsed. And I called my friend and I said, would you be willing to make an introduction? And he, he said, you know, yes. However, just understand that, you know, once I make the introduction, it's going to be up to you. Um, 
And, uh, and I said, yeah, that, that would be great. And I mean, the process took quite a bit of time. You have to be very patient with it, especially for people as busy as uh, like, you know, the Marshall Goldsmiths of the world. Uh, but the process worked. And um, he and I ended up speaking on the phone. Uh, and uh, he, he agreed to, to endorse the book. And we worked through that process. And it, it went really, really well. But, you know, if I, if I had let fear overtake me or if I had in my own mind talked myself out of it or decided I didn't want to take the risk or any of those other things that, that you know, the ways we get in the way of our own selves, then none of that would have happened. So it's, it's never enough just to know somebody who's got the connection, but it's, it's about are you willing to do the things that you have to do, whether you're comfortable or uncomfortable, to get where you want to go. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, telling people to stick their neck out into the, the discomfort zone, getting way into the discomfort zone is the best thing you could do for yourself. Um, you know, if you're, if, you're, if, if you're not feeling uncomfortable, you know, at some point this week, there's something wrong. You're just not pushing the envelope a little harder. Yeah. Hard yeah. And, and, and by the way, and if you're, and if you're, if you're a CEO and you're not doing that, then I can guarantee you no one on your team is doing it either yeah. because you've, you've got to be leading that parade. Yeah. If all you're doing to, if all you're doing is talking to your buddies who are going to tell you what you want to hear, you're lost and you're going to stay stuck and it's not going to help. So, you know, but you're coaching guys with big egos too. I mean, uh, you, you, you get a CEO, maybe a, a founder who's, you know, multimillionaire, you know, been very successful, or maybe somebody who's struggling along, but you're coaching big egos. How do you, you know, what's the most effective way to coach somebody with a big ego? Shoot straight, shoot straight. The, you know, it's, it's actually really interesting. The, the, so the CEOs that I work with, Yes, on the one hand, they have big egos. However, I've become very good, as I mentioned earlier, at screening them for coachability and being a learner. And that goes a long way to them being receptive to hear the things that I have to say to them. Where I find ego gets in the way more is the members of the executive team. I work with my coaching clients on a team basis. So I do some one-on-one -on -one with the CEO for sure, but by and large, I meet with the CEO and the executive team as a team. And they see me once a month and that's the rhythm we have through the year as uh, I work with them on the business. And it's the, the other egos that show up in the room that are frankly much more challenging than the CEO because many of these folks were hired as professional managers with very accomplished careers who have created all kinds of success. And, you know, here we are in this room now, and, and there's this guy, Mark, who's suggesting that I do something different than I've done in the past. And that tends to be a little bit more of a challenge. And that's one of the reasons why I, I, I screen my CEOs very carefully, because they need to be prepared to stand up and say, hey, look, this is what we're doing. And I need you on board. Yeah, there's nothing worse than the guy or girl who's like, you know, I, I work directly for the CEO. I'm like, okay, you, you know, you, do you want a medal for that? You know, I, you report directly to the CEO. You, do you want a medal? You know, big deal. Um, right. You know, what are you doing? I mean, it's, it's, it's great that you're working for him. What are you doing for him? And are you helping him or her learn and improve and grow the business? Um, yeah. And, so. and my, my style is, you know, if you're a client of mine, whether you're an exec or the CEO, uh, I, I shoot straight. I will tell you my truth. I will tell you what, what I believe you need to hear. 
Um, and, uh, you know, and if, if you can't handle that or if for some reason, you know, it's not the right fit because of my style or whatever, then, okay, we're not the right fit. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that I'm going to change my style. So um, I, I'm, not a, uh, I'm, I'm not able to effectively do business with uh, soft, fluffy snowflakes. Um, I'm able to do business with people who uh, have an ability to accept someone else's truth and take it in and, and really consider it um, because they know it's being offered in their interest. I went to a conference last week. It was a, you know, a peer conference and my first, my first time at this one. And you think you're good until you go to some of these things. And then you're completely humbled. And you, you, you talk, I tucked my tail between my legs. I was like, wow, okay, I'm humbled. Isn't that the best? Isn't that yeah. the best? Because you inevitably then learn because it's, it's the humbling that, that opens up your ears and opens up your brain to the things that are being said and you realize like, wow, there, there actually is a different way here or some other way I can think about this or execute this or, or do this, or here's a person that ostensibly is running the same business as me, but they're at three X, the level of performance. And yet it, it all looks the same. Therefore there've got to be things that, that I don't know that I should know or that I should be doing that I'm not. Right. And inevitably, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, they inevitably they ask one question. I think the most uncomfortable question anybody can ask you and they, you know, they, they hear you're doing something stupid and they, they say, why, why are you doing that? Yeah. And you show you're like, I, I don't know. So that's the, the quintessential new neighborhood feeling, right? Cause your ego is at risk in that moment. Mm -hmm. and if, if we as leaders learn to embrace that, that put it actually deliberately putting ourselves in in a position where where that discomfort occurs on a regular basis, it's it's the best thing you can do. Yeah, where do you find you know, when you when you tell your CEOs, your business owners, um, you know where do they? You know, there's got to be good peer to peer. I mean, uh, uh, was it YPO Young Presidents? Yep, organization is great for those under fifty. Um, but say you, have, you, know, you say you have a fellow who's 55 years old, 60 years old, you know, he's 10 years starting his own business. He can't join YPO. Where do they, where do they go to get the, the right mentorship and fellowship with their, uh, you know, their, their peers? Sure. So for those with revenues less than about $10 million, um, EO is a great organization, entrepreneurs organization, and there's local chapters all over the world. It's a global organization. Uh, and the core of EO is the forum, which is, a, which is essentially a self-moderated uh, peer group. Um, YPO is next, as you mentioned. Uh, in general, that's for, for businesses larger than 10 million, although there's plenty of businesses in EO that are larger than 10 million, but there is an age cap on YPO. It's Young President's Organization, so it's the Y that's the killer there. And for, for others where there aren't local chapters or EO or YPO isn't quite a fit, there are plenty of organizations that run um, peer forums. Uh, one group is called Renaissance. It's, a, it's an, uh, an international uh, franchise that they have forums around. There's another one called the Business Roundtable. But if you look up uh, Executive Forum on Google um, or Peer Forum or Peer Groups for Executives or CEO Peer Groups, 
you're, you're going to turn up a bunch of options in your geography. Um, and then like everything else, you have to go out and shop around uh, because the worst thing you could possibly do is align with an organization with people who make you feel good socially. But again, they're not really putting your ego at risk when you're in the room with them um, because then it becomes a coffee clatch and you feel good because you're in a forum, but it's fundamentally not advancing you. Mm -hmm. And the, the real downside of this, and I haven't touched on this yet, Craig, and it's critically important for, for your listeners to understand, the real downside to being in the wrong neighborhood is that those people tend to share your fears and your phobias and your biases because they're roughly in the same place as you are. And so even if you were to go to that group and say, hey, I've thought of this really new innovative plan, it's gonna require this investment, here's the risk to it, here are the benefits to it, I really would like your feedback on this. The odds are very high that the wrong neighborhood is gonna give you feedback that mirrors your own fears. Yep. And what that, that's gonna kill the idea on the spot Whereas in the right neighborhood, you might get a very different series of questions that comes back at you from that presentation. You know you're in the wrong neighborhood. And, and look, from experience, you've done it too, as have I. You're the wrong neighborhood. I wouldn't do that. That's not right. You may lose something. You may lose a lot of money. The cost of that is, is, is crucial, you know, et cetera. The right neighborhood challenges you. Hey, that's a good idea. What kind of ROI do you think you could get if you did it? Yeah. If you tweaked it a little better, do you think you could get a little more? Here's some people you need to talk to who can help you. Yeah. You know, along those along those rounds. You know, it's it's just yeah, it's amazing to me. I call them the doctor knows. Um, you know, why would you do that? That's a dumb idea. And uh, you should you should be getting the exact opposite, which is how, that's an interesting idea. What would it look like for you to 10x it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and look, and this, you know, we're, we're talking a lot at the CEO president level too, but you think about, you know, a 30 year old executive up and coming late twenties, early thirties, you know, maybe a manager wants to be a director, etc. You know, the, the manager and the manager or director doesn't get the best advice from other managers or below or directors. They get the best advice from the VPs and, you know, the C-suite question is, are you, are you willing to reach out to those people? Yeah. The, the concept of change your neighborhood applies to us all the way, literally back to high school. Um, yeah. and it's like, if I, you know, if I knew then what I know now, but I didn't figure this one out until, uh, probably about 20 years ago. And it's been a great ride since. Yeah. You slap yourself in the head and you're like, why did I think of that? And, uh, but you know, it, it's all a learning experience. Yeah, and I have a great story in the book about how I discovered this concept of change your neighborhood. Um, and I'll tease it and say it was, there was uh, some real estate advice that I got from my grandpa Ben, my maternal grandfather, um, that led me down the path over time to realize that he wasn't really giving me real estate advice. The, um, yeah, I always love, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, obviously just because of my job, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. And I always see the one thing out there and I hate it. And it's, you know, the CFO says, why are we spending all this money on training when people will get it and leave? 
and the CEO comes out and says, well, what if we don't spend it on training and they stay? You know, it's, it's obviously the CEO is always, or the CFO is always the guy. And I think that everybody should look at business from a different realm. And it should be, what are the possibilities if we do this? Nothing should ever be a no. It's what are the possibilities if we do it? If we take this risk, what are the possibilities? Or if we make this investment in our company, in ourselves, no matter what you're doing in life, you know, what are the possibilities? The best decisions come from natural tension. And uh, for example, there should always be tension between an organization's head of sales and the head of operations or whoever has to deliver on that stuff, right? There should always be tension between, in this case, the, the CFO and the CEO or even the head of HR around what we spend on training and what the return is on that. Because from these tensions come very uh, informed debates and very good rigorous decisions. And, and that's important in leadership. So, you know, to me, the meme on LinkedIn is oversimplified because it's not like one is right and one is wrong. They're actually both right. And depending on the organization and depending on the resources available to the organization, um, it, it, it's, you make a decision on the continuum of, mm-hmm. of how you spend and, and how you look at training and development and those things. It's, it's not black and white. So it's, we're, we're actually missing the idea that conflict is good and conflict is healthy on a high-performing team. Yeah, the, and, and the, 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 the worst conversation between a sales team and a finance team is, you know, finance says this is a crappy deal. Um, you know, go, go make it better. The best conversation is, hey, let's work on this deal together um, to make it better. You know, let's analyze it. Let's see how we can make it better, understanding, you know, where the customer is. That's collaboration, and that you know that is, you know, that's how companies and people get better each and yeah. every day. Yeah, and and this is a role I, I facilitate for my coaching clients because I've never walked into a team where they would say, "Yeah, we're a dysfunctional team." I, I always walk into a team where they say, "Yeah, we're we're a pretty good team," and what I come to discover in most cases, most cases socially. They're a good team. They like to hang out. They have fun together. They let their hair down, all of that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to operating the business and making great decisions and applying rigor and accountability and trust and all of these things that make a, a, a team leading an organization highly effective, they're not such a great team. And there's work to be done there. And we do that work. Yep. That's awesome. How do, uh, how do people get a hold of you, Mark? So there's two ways. Number one is I'm on LinkedIn at Coach Mark Green, M-A-R-K-G-R-E-E-N, on LinkedIn. And I post uh, two, three times a week content that's pretty relevant and useful to CEOs and entrepreneurs running uh, growing organizations. And the other is through the book site, which is activators.biz, A-C-T-I-V-A-T-O-R-S dot B-I-Z, biz. And uh, from there, you can link to my speaking credentials, uh, contact me personally, uh, and also, of course, get a copy of the book, which is on Amazon, Kindle, uh, Audible, Barnes & Noble, kind of anywhere you look. Awesome. You got to come back on. Will you, will you come back on? You got to write it you got You got another book uh, in the works somewhere out there? I, somewhere out there, but not in the near term. Um, but uh, be happy to come back anytime you'll have me, Craig. I, I loved this. I, I really love this conversation today. And I, I really think, you know, the, 
the, the, the change your, change your neighborhood. You know, we got to come back and expand on this at another time. Well, Hey, that's one of, that's one of eight activators. So we got seven more to go. Let's, uh, let's go through all seven. You come back on seven more times and, uh, we'll talk about all of them. How's that? All right, Craig, it's been a pleasure. Hey, Mark, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to doing this again with you. You bet. Take care.